Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Kate Moody, Customer Strategy Director here at LearnFS. In today's episode, we're asking, has the fintech revolution ignored older customers? Next time you're using public transport and see an advert for a financial services product, check out the age of the people using the service on the poster. I'm pretty sure they will not be silver surfers. The fintech revolution of the last decade has done a lot for millennials in terms of banking options, and now attention is churning to Gen Z. But what about those who are aged 60 and over? Are they being properly served by the options available today? In this show, we've put together a panel of amazing experts to discuss what do the options look like for the over 60s in the current market? What are the challenges for serving older customers? And what could the future look like in this space? We'll discuss all this and more in today's show. But first, a few brief messages. Don't go anywhere. This is Fintech Insider After Dark. We are breaking out of the studio and bringing it to the community. It's a live recording of the Fintech Insider podcast featuring your favorite hosts and big name guests. Well, thank you very much for having me back. Join us and become a certified Fintech Insider. Whether it's beers in London or pizza in New York, catch up with Fintech geeks and make new friends across the financial services ecosystem. This is packed out, right? This is standing yeah. only. We are bringing After Dark to the Village Underground in London on the 20th of September. Click the link in the podcast description or visit 11fs.com slash afterdark. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Good night. A lot of you know 11FS for our chart-topping podcasts, our events, videos, reports, and a bunch of other cool stuff that we do. But what a lot of you don't know is that this is just all our side hustle. We do so much more than that. At 11FS Ventures, we're partnering with ambitious businesses around the world to design, build, and launch truly digital financial services. We are building banks, shaping new propositions, and growing existing offerings that change the fabric of financial services. And our design, research, strategy and engineering experts are working to improve your customer's relationship with money. To find out a little bit more, check us out at 11fs.com forward slash ventures. Awesome. Let's get started. As always, I'm joined by a panel of really exciting guests who can shed some light on this question. First off, it's great to be joined again by Will Jones, Executive Creative Director at LoanFS. Thanks for being here, Will. Always nice to hang out. Can you give our listeners a quick reintroduction to your role at LoanFS, please? Yeah, sure. I look after design here. So my team's busy designing new products or fixing old ones to give customers a better relationship with their money. Pretty looking things that work better. I'm really looking forward to this topic. I'd, like we've we've done some work with with, with clients who that, that touches on this this demographic recently, and can't wait to get into it. Awesome, yeah, looking forward to get your take for sure. And we have a very welcome return to fintech insider for Jasper Martins, CMO at Pension B. Welcome back to the show, Jasper. Um, what should our new listeners know about you and Pension B, please? Uh, thanks for having me, Katie. Uh, well, uh, Pension B combines your old pensions into a new online plan that you can manage on your phone. But particularly for this episode, uh, also good to know that we also offer a really easy way to take money out of your pension from the age of 55 here in the UK. That's the age where you can legally start taking money out. Yeah, no, and a really, really interesting um, change. I've had some interesting stuff in the UK recently changing how people can access those pensions, right? So I'm sure it's created a lot of interesting challenges. So looking forward to getting your take on that as we go through. And finally, it's a FinTech Insider debut for Alex Gautier, Chief Revenue Officer at Clear Estate. 
Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Apologies if I've butchered your surname, but what shall listeners know about you and Clear Estate, please? No, it was perfect, Kate. Thank you. Uh, so I'm, I'm Alex Gotzi. I'm one of the co-founders of uh, Clear Estate and the chief revenue officer. Um, I lost my mom in 2019 and became the executor on her estate, uh, which was really my first brush with the world of uh, wills and estates. And I just found the process to be so complicated and confusing that uh, I just thought there had to be a better way. So we uh, we created Clear Estate uh, as a kind of one-stop shop for estate planning and settlement. And essentially, we do everything that um, traditional players like lawyers, accountants, banks, and uh, trust offices do, except that we use technology to make the process 10 times more accessible, efficient, and affordable. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining. Can't wait to hear your perspectives. Let's let's dive in. Okay, so let's start this conversation off by by looking at the market today and kind of how we think we've got to where we're at. Um, well, how has financial services typically looked for older people historically, do you think? I, I think they've almost taken them for granted as customers uh, historically. And I think because, and I, I'm sure we'll get into it a lot, but for, for various reasons, there's there's slightly more inertia to switching banks. It's felt as a bit more of a parent relationship. And obviously, we have people on this call that can talk about lots of other uh, areas that, that serve these people. But I think typically, and, you know, especially in like a, a fintech sense, it's not really been seen as a as an area to, to focus on in terms of innovation, from my perspective. And I, I think that's wrong, personally. Yes, but what's your take? Um, I think the um, they they've been over uh, often overlooked, um, and um, their needs are not really addressed. So, for, to give you an example, we're all thinking about we need to save more for retirement. But hey, if you're in your sixties, guess what? You are actually near or at retirement. So it's more about how do I spend it. Um, and for unfortunately, a lot of us who are trying to innovate in financial services are not at that retirement age. So we're not stepping in their shoes enough and we tend to forget them. And it's a shame because we're all getting older and um, our, the, the silver generation, including myself, I'm already I'm getting halfway there uh, with my hair color. Um, um, we, we're here to stay for a long time. Yeah. And I suppose, Alex, again, just to kind of get the full, the full panel's take on it, you what has the, the status quo been for, for this customer group? Well, I, my, from my perspective, I'd say it's status quo no more. We, uh, we work closely with wealth and, and financial uh, organizations. And what we're witnessing is just a huge shift in, in many of these organizations. And it seems like they're realizing that there's a very large portion of the assets under management that, that, that's tied to their 60 plus segment. And, um, and and a lot of these clients will be uh, unfortunately passing away in the next 20, 25 years. So uh, it's creating a, just a massive asset flight risk. Uh, and and I think the, the wealth industry overall is, is really thinking about how to facilitate that intergenerational wealth transfer and try to retain a maximum uh, of those assets. Yeah, and no, I think that's, that's definitely a really key thing to highlight. Um, well, why do you think fintech or the fintech boom we've seen to date has i suppose we're assuming that it's focused on millennials rather than older customers right i think that's a fairly fair claim to make why, why do you think that's been the case because i think we're now starting to realize as alex has highlighted that you know it's creating a problem right there's going to be this wealth transfer and we've just been focusing on the young people we've not been focusing on that top end of the spectrum so why do you think that is well i mean it's easier to design for millennials 
So maybe maybe there's that aspect. Like millennials are less loyal to brands. They put higher emphasis on customer experience and UX. So therefore, to be able to create something that causes people to switch, you're going to look at an audience who are more open to that, perhaps. I think often older people can be less active money managers than than perhaps some of the like younger generations because they've not got the tools that are quite sh- or, or they haven't had tools designed for them that are showing them where their money goes quite as much and i think cynical part of me says that banks are perfectly happy with defaulting o- older people's savings accounts to lower rate lower rates sorry and keeping quiet about it because it makes money so i think there's there's it's kind of weighing up commercially is it better for us to do nothing and just hope that uh you know, people leave their money with us and, and we make a lot of money than trying to create new products that are actually beneficial to the customer. And that's the cynic in me saying that. Um, yes, but also very welcome to be cynical, but I'd love to get your perspective. You know, you touched on how Pension B has kind of started off helping customers who are sort of actively accruing their pensions, but you're now starting to offer more at that you know, at that retirement age. So you, you've probably kind of got a good sense across that whole spectrum, right? Like, do you think Will's point is, is a fair one? Do millennials adopt fintech platforms more easily? Is there more of a challenge onboarding some of these older customers? Yes, I, I agree. Um, it's not difficult for us, and I don't want to sound uh, too overly on this one, but it's actually relatively easy to acquire customers uh, to combine two small pots, for example, when they're in their late 20s, or early 30s, two workplace pensions, two small pots, hey, new app, new product, hey, let's give this a try. Um, so, But when you are 55 or you're 60, you might have 250,000 pounds from 11 different jobs. And you will think twice before actually moving to a new provider, especially if it's just been around for a few years. I always say, would you trust all your life savings with a startup? Uh, I would not, so why would you? Now, PensionB is not a startup anymore, but we're still quite a young company. So it's the, it's harder to convince that group uh, that you are your the main pension provider of choice and not just something on the side and it's easy it's and therefore you will find this you see this back in your cost per acquisition on a particular age band it's much much more expensive to acquire those customers but if you are able to convince them that you are the right provider for them and they will do their homework their due diligence um, then the returns are also greater because one, they make that decision and they actually don't move afterwards. They've then made their call, which is great. So it feels like a victory for us as a brand. Uh, but second, they bring more assets on their administration. Um, the pension pots we see for customers in their 50s and 60s is four to five times the size that we see from a typical customer in their early 30s. So the return is greater. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot, of, a lot of nodding on on Alex's side. I guess you must face a similar challenge, right? In that you're asking when you when you're managing someone's estate, there's there's a huge amount in that, right, Alex? So how have you tackled that challenge of of getting that initial trust or that initial buy-in? Yeah, I'm French Canadian, so there's not a cynical bone in my body. Uh, uh, but uh, in our company, we we we're essentially exclusively serving uh, serving boomers. Not that we we'd refuse anyone else, but just the nature of of of, of the services we provide and, and our product is really uh, tailored for, uh, for for boomers and I, I think I think there's a, a bit of a uh, if it ain't broken don't fix it mentality on this topic and and I think if, if I look at the younger boomers uh, they they've been using traditional banking very successfully for the for close to 47 years right so uh, but when it comes to estate planning and estate settlement things are broken so it, it seems to me like 
Boomers don't have any issues adopting uh, products that are uh, value added. And if I look at my peers, like pension B, I, I think like combining contributing and withdrawing from uh, from a pension is is a process that's historically been pretty difficult, especially if you you've you've had multiple jobs in your in your career. Uh, same goes for us, right? A I think a rapidly growing number of boomers are now acting as executors, uh, either on their parents' estates or siblings or spouses' estates, unfortunately. And, uh, and they need to figure out probate, deal with death notices, financial institutions, uh, and, and, and frankly, it's one of the most broken processes I've, I've ever seen. And, and I think they're really looking for solutions to support them uh, on all of these fronts. And uh, they don't want to deal with eight providers to figure out how to do this. So I think centralization is, is something that a lot of, of fintechs are, are, are adopting to solve a, a, a full problem. Uh, I think they, it's appreciated. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Jasper sort of touched on like his perspective on like the size of, of this customer base and kind of the value of them. Um, kind of, would you agree? Like, is this like a, a sort of a commercial opportunity that financial services should be exploring in in more detail as an audience? I, I mean, I'd say yes, just purely based on the fact that the longer you've lived, if you've done it right, the more money you've accrued, and therefore, let's have a bit of it. That should be the the approach here, like the barriers to solving perhaps more complex problems or, you know, from a design perspective, making interfaces that uh, account for certain impairments or uh, have to work a bit harder to, to have you. They shouldn't, shouldn't outweigh the commercial benefits that come with it. Like... I'm a design guy. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a commercial guy. But my best guess is that there is a huge missed opportunity here. I don't. I don't know if anyone else would agree. Like, there's. It, it seems like a no-brainer that people have been sleeping on it. I think you know the point you made earlier about um, kind of like just hoping that if you don't move anything, if you don't touch anything for these customers, they'll they'll just stay put and and they'll just kind of accept like the existing products and services. Really resonates with me because when we're in conversations with banks about designing new propositions like building something new there's always that kind of person in the room who like puts a hand up and says like oh but we don't want to frighten the older customers so like banks do have this sense of like valuing valuing this customer base because you know to, to your point to Yasper's point they typically have more assets that are sat in accounts probably not moving as 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 often as they should to hunt out rates and stuff they're kind of happier to kind of be somewhere safe and, and sit there but you know they're they're trying to just you know, hope they don't notice, hope they just kind of stay put and that they're not going to kind of be demanding new things and demanding new services. And so it's it's a weird relationship, I think. I think there's a recognition that these customers are valuable, but just not really an understanding of of what it is that you need to do to, to kind of help them move into this, this truly digital space that we're seeing kind of, it's kind of feels like sometimes that like there's a conversation just about Gen Z and millennials and, and people kind of are just parking the question about older customers because it's difficult. And as you've said, there's lots of you know, important, but challenging like accessibility questions and how you kind of help people that might have particular kind of um, mobility needs or, or kind of requirements for how they like, read or interpret information, like all that sort of stuff, I think scares a lot of financial institutions and, and so we've kind of had this long stretch I reckon where we've just been kind of leaving it alone and hoping that it'll it'll sort itself out and and I think now it really feels like the time to to really focus on this audience properly and try and understand what it is they they need to get done but um I don't know how does that how does that 
sound skeptical wise i don't know maybe too skeptical i think you're right about the how financial traditional financial institutions are approaching this particular age group but they are they are thirsty um they are it's just that do they trust you enough to take the leap and i give you an example pension b has done roadshows this year so we have been touring throughout the country in theaters and we invited customers but also their friends and family to come along um, and i was in birmingham and in manchester uh, manchester a couple of weeks ago and there we were there were 350 people in a in a theater uh, all coming to listen to how much to save for happy retirement and uh, and i tell you that over 50 percent of those customers were actually over 50 and our customer base is 20 percent over 50 so it gives you a bit of an idea they came with their paperwork bags of paperwork and they were able to schedule an appointment with one of our beekeepers to talk through their uh, circumstances and those were people with half a million pound pension pots would you believe it and they were just not sure about if this was the right thing to do yes or no they're craving for knowledge they're craving for guidance and the traditional companies they tend not to give it because then you will leave it it's inertia will kick in so if you are able as a new brand to step into this particular area with a mixture of activities whether that's a roadshow or whether that's a personal video call or anything that kind of replicates that would say bank branch manager kind of mentality or the, the, the financial person that was kind of like uh, in their in the in throughout their lives i think you can really really make a, big, a true difference and they will actually then vote with their money they will actually move it across to you but it's a harder one yeah okay well i think that's probably a good segue for us to to really zoom into like the challenges that exist when it comes to designing and, and building products and services for this this audience so um well, you know, we've touched on it a little bit already, but you know, are there unique challenges when it comes specifically to like design and UX for this age bracket? Yeah, for sure. And I think to before we go into that, I think it is worth pointing out this age bracket is quite large. If we're talking about someone that's 60, they probably feel the same as they did when they were 40. Like the, there's, and I'm, I'm generalizing here, but there's a big difference in someone, the needs of someone that's 60 and someone that's 80, say 85 and pre and post retirement, which... I'm sure Jasper can talk about in, in in greater detail, but I think if we're thinking about from a I guess a UX perspective, um, a lot of people think, oh, actually, you know, it, this might be a look and feel thing. Yes, it is actually from a from a brand execution perspective. That's all about trust um, and you know helping people feel that their money is safe. There's so much. Um, sort of distrust of digital services still. And we even see this speaking to people that, you know, have million pound fortunes. They still don't trust digital services, despite the fact being savvy enough to accrue that amount of money. I think using familiar patterns is is really crucial um, and perhaps simplified interfaces. Um, all your classic accessibility requirements are there from, you know, things that deal with visual impairments through to uh, perhaps you know, hearing and, and and motor skill impairments. But I think the other thing is a lot of companies hide their accessibility options a little bit and you have to ask. And I, I, I'm a big fan of Age UK and that's one of the things that they point out. Yeah, a lot of people have it as a, as a tick box exercise, but actually you kind of have to understand how to use the interface to be able to change it in a lot of uh, cases. So from a digital perspective, it's it's a weird one. I think as well... We're not really 
I think a lot of the sort of the, the fintechs that have, have sprung up and, and started to solve problems for younger customers would be of great value to to older customers. But let's be honest, they're not designed around uh, slightly older customers' mental model of money or what they're used to in terms of interacting. So from a UX perspective, it's worth considering that there are a lot of people that still use a passbook. I I know I know people in my family that do, uh, or they withdraw money every week and put it in an envelope. So the way that even people are budgeting is is quite manual and different. And I think I think we spoke about this yesterday, actually, Kate. But actually trying to um, give people greater clarity and control by making them entirely rethink how their finances work and how they've thought about their entire lives isn't really the the approach to this. It's understanding how. Uh, people in this age bracket actually think about money and use money and to design user experiences around those pre-existing mental models and constructs to try and uh, give the, the same outcomes, from my perspective. Yeah. Um, Alex, what what have been the main challenges that your team have come across as you've been building out your platform? Well, just to build on Will uh, before attacking that, but I, I think I think one key element for I, it should be for any business, but I think particularly uh, in designing for seniors, if if you find a a milestone moment in which the the pain point is so present that the the friction to adopting a new or trusting a new technology um, or company or service is, is is lesser than the pain the pain that's felt uh, at that milestone moment I think uh, I think that's 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 a key thing and in, in, in our case um, reality is like only 50 less than 50 percent of people have a will. Um, so that's 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 the thing. People don't like to actually consider their own eventual demise, and you know I, I can't really blame them. Uh, but but the reality is that that's that's one of the big gaps, and I think it's in part a um, you know it, it, it it's it's in part a a a lack of understanding of of the impact of what happens if I don't have a will. It's in part a uh, well. I'm not going to die. A feeling of invincibility uh, in general, and and kind of like magic thinking that everything's going to be okay. That's that's kind of like what we see the 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 trifecta that we see when we uh, when we talk to customers and and we try to understand um, why they're not moving forward in the process. That that's really been key for us. Um, but but you know where that leads to is that when people don't move forward and some the inevitable happens um it, it leads to more complex estates it, it leads to more pain for your family it leads to uh, a more costly uh, estate settlement process and that usually means that your legacy and your the inheritance that you leave behind is is significantly lowered through through these additional unforeseen costs so i think i think it's really a, a question of of, of education and, and helping clients understand that. Yeah. Um, yes, but I thought it was super interesting. You were touching in the, in the previous section on the, like this roadshow that you guys have done. I think the, the first thing that most people think about when they think about this older audience is like physical locations, right? Like, you know, I remember when I first joined 11 first and I was chatting to my grandma and trying to explain what on earth, like, I was doing in my in my in my professional life she sort of said to me like are you responsible for the bank branches closing um as if I was like individually going around and like locking the doors myself but it is kind of the stereotype that lots of people think that these older customers have a very strong preference for for physical locations and obviously you, know, you guys at, at pension b don't have a physical location that people can come to normally but you've set up these red shows so I'm interested like what drove that do you think 
that physical element is key to these customers? To a certain degree. Uh, I believe it's definitely something uh, that you can't replicate. What you can replicate is um, if you are assuming that um, this that particular pocket of the, the generation we talk about today uh, did their business, uh, their banking business, for example, in a branch or had that personal relationship or opening a bank account uh, was in person rather than just online, um, what you can do is you can digitally replicate that because they value the personal connection they have to a particular person. So for example, we replicate that by having your own personal beekeeper. So that's a person assigned to your account that is visible in your account. There's a photo of that person that with a direct phone number to call. Um, and uh, so we group customers around beekeepers. And I think that is one way how you can replicate that, that, that experience experience and that really builds a lot of trust but then also are you real or are you just an app the roadshow can definitely help um, we're going to transform this into pension clinics next year so we can do more locations where people can make uh, like in uh, appointments where we go to hotels and venues where people can just meet us that's the so you can so you can replicate a lot online but then there is a, I would say there is a bit where you can say, actually, if you can go for like more personal touch to it, like events, et cetera, where they, they can meet you. Um, we have seen certainly that um, the over 50s are overrepresented in uh, the groups of people. Um, so I think that is the, um, I would say that, that that's something for me that definitely resonates. The other thing also to, to bear in mind is um, they like the bank branch, but they've also been using mobile banking quite a lot. So when we were designing our drawdown product at Pension B, we first went to a web experience, had a web app. And actually, our customers are asking for mobile app drawdown. So in the mobile app. So we, we're releasing that now as we speak. And regular, you can do one-offs now. You can do regular now very soon. And that is because they used to uh, do that in their mobile banking app when they do their bank account business. So if you can replicate that for a pension product or any other product, uh, they skipped web, uh, the web experience altogether. They went straight to an app. Just all of these things really important to consider uh, when you are designing new products for, for customers in that age group. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really cool thing, really key thing to call out. Um, and I suppose as with all groups, like the pandemic has, I'm sure, been a massive accelerant of this. Like, I don't know, Alex Asper, like from your perspective, like what impact have you seen the pandemic in particular have? Like, has it created new challenges or is it just kind of help like, move more people online, Alex? I don't, I don't think we, we could exist as an organization without, uh, without all the, the huge leap forward in tech adoption that, that uh, agencies like courthouses and government agencies were forced to adopt. Uh, I mean, just pre-pandemic and, and even like early in the pandemic, probate hearings had were done in person. And and so people sometimes had to travel hundreds of miles to go to a hearing for 10 minutes with a judge and 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 get their their um their documents stamped. And 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 now it's it's all Zoom hearings, it's it's much faster, much simpler. The judges can actually process a lot more uh, a lot more cases in a day. There's no, no kind of like delays tied to. There's delays tied to technology now, but they're they're more easily fixable. And uh, and and I think that's that that's been tremendous. Digital signatures have become widespread uh, and, and adopted by government agencies and financial institutions. And 
that's been that 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 really propelled us forward. We're, we're we're a company that's born out of the pandemic. We uh, we launched in uh, in October 2020, uh, so it it really um, really helped propel uh, us forward in in, in this whole uh, in this whole uh, process of, of of settling estates and 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 dealing with courts. Yeah, no, I think that makes a ton of sense. I suppose going back to our conversation earlier about like how potentially there might have been almost an assumption like from from financial institutions that if you kind of just ignored these customers for long enough or gradually like they'd they'd move away and maybe like the millennials who understand how these products would just become old and it would all happen naturally and organically and you wouldn't have any kind of like big shift to manage I wonder I think that's the thing that I find most interesting about the pandemic is it maybe kind of forced some of these older customers online before they were kind of naturally ready and it's just you know what what challenges does that create like you kind of aren't just having those early adopters amongst the older segment, you're kind of forcing lots of people to uptake technology. But how did you manage that, Jesper? Um, so I think that's spot on. So um, I think the pandemic has presented companies, um, uh, new, new players on the market to actually become play level field with some of the incumbents because suddenly electronic signatures were fine. Um, that wasn't fine before the pandemic. I can tell you that from some provider perspective, but also a lot of customers will feel unease by putting a signature uh, with a finger on the phone screen. Uh, now that's perfectly acceptable and also accepted by providers. Uh, so consumers really almost like adapted really quickly to the new reality. Uh, and if you've got the technology enabling, you've got that, then it means that you are actually starting to be sparing. I had pension B grooves quite substantially uh, accelerate our growth during the pandemic. And then there's on the other side, they also reap the benefits of it because a lot of providers who would not normally provide those digital services, and Alex pointed on court hearings, etc. In our case, paper pension transfers, they could take up to six months. Uh, I would, I think 30% of our transfers were still paper-based from old pension providers. I call them steam-powered pension providers to new providers like Pension B. That's really gone down because also those people have replaced their steam with something much more modern and electronic. So from a consumer perspective, there's been a massive adoption. And like you said, it's being kind of forced almost upon them that this is the new reality. And the providers and incumbents also had to play catch up. Um, And um, I would say providers like Alex and uh, uh, and many others in this playing field will have an advantage actually on this one. So you need to grab this opportunity now before they catch up. Okay, and on that note, we're just going to take a quick pause. We'll be back very shortly. Hello and welcome, LFG people, to Fintech Insider. Watching Insider, 11FS Spotlight. 11FS Explores. Open mic night. After dark. Through our podcasts, videos, newsletters, and live events, we have a direct line to a truly global fintech community. So if you're looking to sponsor and collaborate on content that connects with everybody from fintech beginners to the biggest VCs, then chat to our team at sponsors at 11fs.com or visit 11fs.com to find out more. Long live the community. Okay, we've done a really good deep dive into kind of how things stand today, some of the key challenges you have to overcome in this space. So let's have a think about the future. Well, you know, as we've talked about, you know, we're starting to see like banks think about this audience, fintechs like me, Pension B, and and Clear Estate are already starting to serve this audience. Like, do you think we're going to see better services for these customers? Look, I genuinely do, and look. Uh... 
Jasper uh, alluded to it, but customers who perhaps weren't in this bracket that got on board with uh, you know newer services, say you know coming up to ten years ago, maybe not that long, but they as they move towards uh, different priorities in life, you know, for instance, finding out the importance of wills as uh, we had the discussion during the break there and uh, and other things there, I think there is then an opportunity with their existing customers to offer other services. And I think it's not necessarily building those things in, but perhaps there are partnership opportunities to be explored for a lot of uh incumbents and uh, and fintechs alike to be able to start to serve this market a little bit better yes but obviously you know you've again sort of hinted to how you're shifting your roadmap right as as pension b kind of gets gets more established and, and your customer base matures you know, how do you think your role will change as as your customers age is it going to kind of broaden out your focus are you going to start to add additional things into your offering I would say our main proposition is and probably will still for a long time be uh, that you consolidate first before you do anything else, that you need to take control over all of those lost spots. Eh? That's that's what we came to do in the UK. Um, but there's a difference between consolidate and contribute versus consolidate and, hey, what's, how much, how much uh, what's the gap? What's the gap and how do I actually take money out? So um, adding, uh, making sure that after consolidating, we offer things like withdrawals, uh, offer annuities and other means of making sure you are planning ahead for happy retirement. I think it's going to be really important. It's currently our main focus in our product development this year, the second half this year. Uh, you will probably see some more products rolling out as a result. Um, for example, um, um, this generation deals with their parents who are passing away, unfortunately. Uh, what do you do with inherit pension pots? Because guess what? People are not drawing down their pension pots completely. Um, so, you know, that's a product we don't offer at the moment and we probably should. Um, so th- that's one side of it, the product. The other side is education and mindset change. Because surprise, surprise, when you are retired, we see that people still safe. And actually, you shouldn't. So you need to think about, right, when do I want to retire? When do I get the state pension? Oh, there is a gap in between. So how do I fund that if I want to do that and beyond? So offering good planning tools, but also tell them you need to, you need to spend it. Um, so it's education and mindset change. And that seems to be a really hard one to crack. Um, but that's that's I feel that's almost our duty of care, that we should be also there not just to take your money, but also we need to tell you how to spend it wisely so you can build a happy retirement. And that's increasingly becomes the role of our pension company because like I told before, like when people join, they, they stick around. It's a very, like the retention rates are enormous. Uh, so when you actually convince them to move, they stay with you. And I think you've got a responsibility to look after them until the last day of their lives. Yeah, I think it's such an interesting opportunity space. Like as we've talked about, you know, just almost if you took existing fintech services and just applied new design patterns or kind of made them more relevant, like how that would be a a step forward in this space for, for these older customers. But I think they do have fundamentally like different challenges. If you think about the problems we see lots of customers facing when they just have almost like for many people still like a single income source that hits their account and then has to be distributed 
across lots of different places. That's that's complicated enough as it is, let alone when you're in retirement and you've got choices between all these different potential income sources. You know, here are the things that you need to get done in this thing today, this week, this month. Is that going to be paid for by your pension? Is that going to be paid for by your savings? You know, what are you going to take in what order? Um, and yeah, it's a very different mindset shift, as you say, moving from that you know, to use retirement like product language like to move from like the accumulation phase when everything is rosy and it's just this upward trajectory to like the decumulation phase when you know you're trying as you say make this very difficult trade-off between wanting to live the best life you can without having any kind of certainty about how long you're going to be living for um kind of managing that that kind of glide path i think is is a fundamentally different challenge to the financial issues that somebody has in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s even. Um, so I'd love us to see, you know, we're going, you're thinking, putting, parking the cynicism and sort of just thinking optimistically, I'd love to see us using technology to try and help help customers navigate that. Um, as you say, yeah, like it feels like a space that's crying out for really smart planning tools, really smart guidance, kind of using kind of the best of, of sort of, tech and analysis to really help people work out when they're spending too much like when they need to make adjustments if they're going to make adjustments where those come from so yeah just (laughs) that's just my personal my personal thing that I'm excited about like I'd love to see that that kind of emergent space taking off yes and it's changing that's the good news up until recently as a company you were actually not allowed to do this because it would be considered as advice and that you get into uh, qualified financial advisory space. But the FCA has clearly set out guidelines now with regards to what are some current pathways, retirement pathways. And the, uh, the FCA is actually encouraging more guidance and more uh, smarter planning tools. And that's a really good thing to see. So what you will find is that companies will be able to go more into this guidance uh, uh, route rather than just stay away from it and say, no, it's non-advisory, it's all yours. And that's changing. And I think that's really good. Yeah, for sure. Um, Alex, what would you love to see happen in the future in this space? Um, well, one thing we notice is that, you know, we, we have a strange dichotomy going on because, uh, you know, we, we have two products on, on the settlement side. It's very pragmatic. It's someone who is legally bound to settle the estate and, and do everything that's tied to it. But, uh, you know, building on, on what Jasper was saying and, and you were saying, Kate, that, that our planning product is kind of a dream state. It's not the retirement planning phase. It's the legacy planning phase. So we we kind of encourage and allow our clients to dream a little bit. And, and, and one of the things that we do is capture all of their... Um, we, we call it their number, right? So what's your net worth and, and calculate everything that goes into it. And and we feel like this feeling of, of their clients are proud of what they've, they've been able to accumulate over time and they're proud of what they want to leave behind. So they're thinking about their grandchildren, their children and all of that. So I think... I think leveraging that and, and, and getting more people educated, I think, I think as, as the death rates increase, more and more people see, you know, uh, they have siblings and parents and friends uh, that pass away. It's a trigger moment to think about their own uh, estate and their own legacy and people start thinking about that. And, and, and what I want to see is, is kind of an increased accessibility for uh, estate planning tools and, and services overall. I think uh, it's already begun, but I, I think we'll see that accelerating. And, and it's, it's just such a, a, a big market and there's such a big need that 
it's absolutely fine that there, there should be more um, more fintechs taking a look at that and legal techs look, taking a good look at that. I think we'll see more vertical integration of, uh, of estate planning and settlement uh, services tied to adjacent services. So I'm thinking about, uh, you know, estate planning providers starting to offer life insurance as, as part of the um, uh, of their intake process. Uh, funeral prearrangement makes a lot of sense as well because it's part of the conversation uh, when when you're planning your legacy. Um, and uh, I think uh, uh, we see more and more people taking an adoption of, of, of naming a professional executor in their will instead of, um, of, uh, of, of naming a family member or a friend. Uh, which is going through a really, really hard time already. And the, the cherry on top is it's just like, hey, now you take care of all this problem. Uh, but naming a professional executor who's a neutral third party uh, is, is something that I, I'm starting to to see a lot more on and, and that we're starting to offer in some of our uh, key jurisdictions uh, that we're in. And and on, on the, I think on the settlement side, there's there's a lot of financial products that can be added like, uh, estate bank accounts, uh, which is part of the process. And it's kind of a new bank account that you never knew existed, but all of a sudden everyone's telling you that you need to get, um, and, and having like managed wealth and even inheritance lending, uh, not in this, uh, financial, uh, uh, environment, but, but when, when the interest rates start going down, I think inheritance lending is a, is a phenomenal product that, uh, that can help a lot of families through uh, through a really tough time. So I think I think these are all ways that we can improve the customer journey and 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 for the fintechs just increase the lifetime value of each customer that that, that we get. Absolutely. Um, we're sadly coming towards the, the tail end of the show, so I'm going to have to have to close this off. I'd love to Karen chatting all day. It's a super super fascinating topic. Um, I suppose at the start of the show we we had as our framing question has has the fintech revolution ignored older customers so I suppose you know, firstly I'd like to get your answer like in summary like yes or no and um, and if yes like what is like the one thing that you would like fintech to focus on for next so well has has fintech ignored older customers and what should they do next yes well it's not ignored them it's just not prioritized uh, older customers I think or designed around them like I said before if they can find it and they can use it and they're digital, digitally savvy enough to adopt it it doesn't present an insurmountable hurdle to use a lot of the fintechs. But what I'd like to see next is, I think consistently, um, like banks and, and fintechs treat people's finances around just the individual. And actually, you know, a lot of people in, in, in later life, it's more around the other people in your life, the family unit. Um, and the more that you are aware of that and combining those finances, for example, if someone, uh, say someone loses a partner who did most of the financial work, they're then left with dealing with all of that. A bank should know about these things. And I think, you know, this, this plays into what both Alex and, and, and Jasper deal with, with their, with their companies. So I think understanding people's lifestyle and the people in it and trying to connect those a little bit more, um, earlier on makes it a little bit easier to prepare for what comes later. Interesting. Alex, obviously, I mean, obviously you guys are a fintech, right? So I know that. You're not ignoring this audience, but do you think fintech more broadly has, and and if so, what what they should do next? So no, uh, but I agree with Will. I think it's just a question of prioritization. So it's just uh, you know glass uh, half empty or glass half full. Uh, there, you know, and there's certainly less adoption with older generation. I, I think 
just as a as a startup owner, you you think about uh, where there's the less friction and and higher adoption rate uh, for fintech products, and 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 that's younger generation. And um, and, and I I look at our business model, and I think we're 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 just navigating a very very regulated, extremely complex environment, and 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 selling complicated products. Uh, so educating uh, people who 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 will only buy this once in their lives, hopefully. Uh, so I, I don't think we we chose the path of least resistance here, but but you know it's the pain point we identified and and fell in love with, and it's it's really been a prioritization and timing issue. And as I said earlier, I think without the pandemic really accelerating the the adoption of digital only services across like courthouses and government agencies, I'm not sure that the the timing would have uh, would have allowed for for clear state to exist. And uh, I think uh, I'm personally thankful for that. Um, and and it's just it's always great when there's a moment in time where there's a great leap in 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 adoption of technology, and and, and this is it. And then yes, I suppose yeah. Last word to you. So, as, what's your perspective? Has has fintech ignored these customers, and and what should they do next? I would say they haven't been not they've not been ignored completely. But uh, they've definitely not been the main focus for many fintechs, um, for the simple reason it's um, um, it's a, it's much harder to uh, to convince that generation to come to you. So it's harder to acquire those customers. Uh, they have more complicated needs, more complicated products are needed. Um, so all of that together makes it some slightly it's it's harder to uh, address their needs and uh, acquire them uh, efficiently. Uh, however, if you do get them, they're very loyal. Um, it's quite a pro- it's also profitable because they tend to be more wealthy. Um, it comes with extra responsibilities, but looking after them. Um, oh, but above and all, they are not looking for the latest snazzy, sexy app. They're looking for a meaningful product. And I think if you can do that, then I think you will strike gold. Um, and it also makes your job a lot more meaningful. Um, so you're less lazy, but actually much more harder working to really capture that because they're very hard to to, uh, to convince to come over to you. I think that's a pretty good pitch. Well, that wraps up today's discussion. Thank you so much to all of you for, for joining us. Like, Where can people find out more about you, the work that you do, your company as well? Um, just reach out to me on LinkedIn and uh, 11fs.com for us. Awesome. Jasper? Uh, very happy to chat with you on LinkedIn uh, or on Twitter. It's called XNR these days, Jasper Martins, um, and also pensionb.com or download our app. Absolutely. Uh, and Alex, what about you? I'd say uh, visit clearestate.com and feel free to mention uh, Fintech Insider will be happy to provide a 15% discount to uh, to your listeners. Oh, awesome. Okay. I should have prepared a pitch for that one then, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> smooth. I like it. Um, and you can find me on, on LinkedIn, Kate Moody, or on email at kateatlandfest.com. Thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've heard, follow our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us to make the show better and helps others to find the show too. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media, just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider or email podcasts at alonefest.com. Thanks very much. Goodbye. <laughs>